What's up, golf addicts? It's David here with the Tour Junkies podcast. Thanks for downloading this week's episode as Pat and I break down the 2017 WGC Mexico Championship. And this week, we're going to talk some strategy. We're going to talk what do you do when you have a no-cut event, when you have some of the best players in the world, when it comes to DFS and the selections that you make. So we talk a little strategy, a little bankroll management. Before that, we recap the Honda Classic Ricky Fowler's win, the Tweet of the Week, is back this week, regular segment now. And then we also get a little inside info from a friend of ours named Paul Appian. Paul plays on the PGA Tour Latino America tour and has played this golf course before for the WGC event. So he called us in and and gave us some insight, which we really appreciate Paul doing that. You guys give him a follow at Paul Appian. That's A-P-Y-A-N. He's a funny guy. Good golfer. We're wishing him the best of luck this year. But he does give us some insight that you can't get anywhere else other than the Tour Junkies podcast this week. So enjoy the show. We're going to kick it off with our recap of the Honda. Then we're going to have Paul's interview. And then we're going to come back with our picks. So here we go. Let's get started. Thanks, guys. What's up, golf addicts? David and Pat, we are right back at you for the first WGC event of the year, the WGC Mexico Championship from Club de Golf Chapulte Peck. Chip, I don't know. Chipotle. <laughs> Club de Golf Chapultepec. Chapultepec, I, I believe. Yes. Uh, more, more on that later. More on that later. But Pat, how are you feeling, man? How are you uh, you having a good week? This is the big week for you, buddy. It this is. This is the big week. I'm, I'm a little down right now. You know, I, you? I, I've kind of been up and down about turning 40, and it's coming up Wednesday, so we're we're close. So I don't know. If, I mean, if you if you if the listeners out there notice that maybe there's a, a hint of just you know being a little down this week, that's that may be why. But maybe who knows? Maybe I'll turn 40 and it'll, it'll just be like another birthday, and I won't care. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, are you gonna get grumpier on me? I feel like you're gonna get you're gonna be a grumpy old man. No, no. no. Okay, okay. No. All right. I would never be a grumpy old man. Sure, sure. Well, it is gonna be. You're gonna you're gonna have the big four zero here in a couple of days. We're excited about that. The the listeners need to be sure and send out many many happy birthday tweets and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Send in a video talking about how Pat Perry has changed your life. That would be really cool. Oh, Just send a, those in. Yeah. Wait till Wednesday though. I need to. I yeah, need to yeah, yeah. wake Wait up Wednesday. on Wednesday morning, March first. Oh, that'd be with, great. Yeah, with just some great videos. You know, it'll cheer me up. Maybe a cheer. Yeah. You know, just yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, do that. I'm getting a little more excited now. I wonder if anybody's actually going to do it. All right, um, let's get into the Honda Classic recap. We had our buddy Ricky Fowler, who you were on. You picked last week. Good on you. Ricky Fowler uh, cruises Sunday to a four-shot victory. Held off Gary Woodland and Terrell Hatton and all those boys um, over there at PGA National. Um, you know, it was a good tournament. We, I, I had a really good week, actually. I had one of the best weeks I've had in, in a long time. I had some green screens and um, was was competing there in a GPP until Sunday. Had had Kisner kind of fall apart on me and um, uh, somebody else in that lineup kind of jacked. Oh, Brian Harmon trunk slammed on me on Sunday. So Yeah. Uh, one and done picks. I had Adam Scott. You had Sergio. I believe they both finished right in the same right in the no, same no, spot. No, 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 no. You're no? already you're already wrong. I had Duffner. 
Oh, yeah, Duffner. He got me a top 15. It wasn't great, but, you know, top 15. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Not not too bad. Sergio, I believe, was the... Pro- you're right, it was probably you're a week right, you're right. a cut or something. No, it was when we finished, like, 48th or whatever, so... Well, we had a good week. We picked 25 players. We had seven miss the cut. We had five in the top 10 and 11 in the top 25. And, of course, we were on Fowler. So it was a good week for us, good week for the tour junkies. If you listen to us, hope you made some money. Um, one and done's again, kind of ho-hum there. Um, I, I'm just kind of sitting in the middle. But I haven't used any of my big guns yet. So, uh, so I'm kind of in the middle of the pack still in the fantasy fairway one and done league. Um you know, tweet of the week. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna give you tweet of the week, Pat. Do you wanna you wanna share with us what the uh, what the tweet of the week is? Do you have it there in front of you? I do actually. Um, so our good buddy Baldo, who's who's kind of back on the radar these days, he said um, he tweeted out, "My member guest partner just called to say he has found someone else." Hashtag motivation. <laughs> of course, after missing a cut, um, yeah, he, he tweeted that on Sunday. So. Well, at at Baldo eighty three, if you don't follow him already, but he's he's you a got good one, to. one of the best out there. So, um, I want to go back to the Honda real quick. Okay, Ricky Fowler down the stretch. There was a lot of talk about him. You know whether or not he was going to close it out. He had four tournaments where he had the fifty four hole lead and wasn't able to yeah. convert. Did you hear that? You know there was a little there was a little talk of uh, Johnny Miller's comments about. Yeah, you know, down the stretch. Did you hear any of that? And uh, what, I did. What, what were your I thoughts did. on that? Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I just I tend to tune Johnny Miller out. I just think he's a total dickhole, and I can't. I, I, I it's just it's par for the course for the guy. Like he he just can't give a guy enough credit. Um, you know, in in one sense, was Ricky like on his A game Sunday? No, he was not. Like he he was he was a little wild off the tee. He had some scares there. But at the end of the day, he, he started he started Sunday up by four shots, and and he finished Sunday up by four shots. So, you know, he shot a one over. He made a sloppy six on number eighteen, and I really needed a birdie from him in that GPP. The, the birdie would have got him the three points for the birdie, and obviously also would have gotten the extra five points for all four rounds in the sixties on DraftKings. That bonus would have been nice. But, you know, he, he hit his he hit his third shot, kind of tugged it left into that trap, and 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 couldn't get up and down. So yeah, he made a few nervy shots that you know. I mean, I guess if it's a you know if if there's a major championship a week around you know around the corner, you might be a little concerned about his ability to hold it together. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't read too much into it except just Johnny Miller's just doing what Johnny Miller does. So that's my yeah, take on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Although I think it's easy to not like Johnny Miller. There's a part of me that does kind of kind of like him a little bit. I think because he's not afraid to say anything and. You know he does, he's he's a very good, just he, I feel like he predicts things fairly well early, like and he just makes a call and then goes with it. And but I didn't like that comment. I thought you know the comments about you know him not you know a champion would finish better, whatever. I mean the guy's got a four stroke lead. It's probably pretty tough to you know just hold it together down the stretch. So I, I just thought those those were a little bit uncalled for. But other than that, uh, great w- week for Ricky and uh, you know. You know we're gonna have a lot more coverage here with with Johnny Miller all the way up until the Masters, so we're just gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, I definitely prefer CBS and Jim Nance and and those guys. Um, I definitely prefer that coverage. But hey, by the way, and spe- speaking of green screens, you know here's something we're gonna have to think about, Pat. You know, in the coming weeks, there's gonna be new players in the DFS game. True. 
And green screens are not always what it, you know, I mean, kind of like it could be green if you're winning on other DFS sites. But, you know, we actually talked last week um, after the podcast about that company. I believe it's, it's Fantasy Draft. Uh, because we saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter. I guess this other company, Fantasy Aces, that collapsed, um, and, and basically all these people were left hanging out to dry with, with money in their account, which, by the way, uh, pro tip here, don't leave you know tens of thousands of dollars in your, in your DFS accounts for right yeah. now until it's, like, until it's fully regulated. It doesn't matter who it is. Just, 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 kinda, just yeah. don't do that. But you know, I know you. I know we like looking at our balances if they're high. But you right, know, just, but no. just move it to the bank account. And look at it there. Yes, um, and then restock if necessary. But a lot of people <laughs> left high and dry on fantasy aces. But we saw some stuff last week popping up about this company Fantasy Draft. Um, that, that's a DFS company. And in fact, they're they're actually on the Roto Grinder stuff. So if you're a Roto Grinders premium member, you can you can get tools for Fantasy Draft specific contests. But anyway, so we kind of. We kind of dabbled into that. Apparently, they are in the process of paying about $1.3 million to all of the Fantasy Aces players. So this is kind of like DFS news, if you will. Um, but those guys were never going to see their money again unless somebody kind of stepped in. And it speaks to the commitment that Fantasy Draft has in the DFS industry, and that's good to see. And, and um, so you and I kind of opened up some, some accounts last week, and we thought we'd play around with it a little bit. And uh, in fact, I had I had green screens over there as well. Now they don't have the same color scheme that DraftKings has. They they that, have like a, but it it does show you your winnings in green. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I played in a contest over there. It's it's a it's a cool little site. I mean the the, the interface or whatever is 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 nice. I mean uh, there's a couple features about it that I like a little better than DraftKings even. Um, you know it's a it's a a, a newer site so there's definitely some things that i think they're still building on but it was kind of fun i even saw some names in there in that contest that i recognized there was a couple big names in there so uh i don't know kind of stay tuned on the fantasy draft um kind of you know theme i, I think it could be something that we look into i mean we knew it wasn't going to be DraftKings forever like there's got to be more there's going to be more I mean, we know FanDuel's coming uh, for the masters so you know there's going to be more stuff um I even saw where the fantasy draft has this PGA Championship Live Final, where it's like a you get to win a chance to go to um, where's the PGA uh, Quail Hollow, Quail Hollow in Charlotte. And it's like all expense paid deal for the PGA Championship. It's eleven dollars to enter. So, well, eleven dollars to enter th- a satellite, right? But, to enter a satellite, yeah, yeah. But the actual, I think, it's one hundred nine dollars. So if you win, if you win money in the satellite, you get one hundred nine dollars, and you get an entry into the uh, whatever the contest is to get into the. The live final, and I tell you, it, it, I enjoyed playing it. It was really, uh, it was really cool. There are a couple things I'll point out real quick that I liked about the site that was a little different than DraftKings. One, I loved the scoreboard feature where you could just flip over and just see the actual, you know, instead yeah, of having true. to go to like the PGA Tour website or whatever. They yeah. had a a pretty good, you know, up to date scoreboard that I thought was kind of neat. And also, you knew now, you know how DraftKings, like if you're on the main page. And or your main contest page, and you see kind of a summary of all the contests you're in. You don't really, I mean, you know if you're in the money or not, but you don't technically technically know like exactly what place you were in. I thought that was kind of cool. Like on the main page, you could see, you know, hey, you're in this place, and like say you're in 80th place, and top 75 are in the money. It, t- it kind of spells that out a little bit, you know, better than I think DraftKings does. So. Uh, those were a couple quick takeaways, but you know we'll have more as we we kind of get into it. 
Yeah, we'll do some digging on that because I think that could be another another kind of thing. And I also noticed that the prices weren't all that different from DraftKings. So, no. Um, Anyway, that's the uh, that's the Honda Classic. Let's move on. We do want to tell you guys again about the Masters. Um, the, the Masters coming up here in April. We we talked this up last week. We've got a number of emails, and I feel like we've helped out a a lot of folks here lately. And and uh, I've been talking to a few of you guys back and forth over email that are getting to come to Augusta for the Masters for whatever reason. If you guys need help with lodging or hospitality or tickets or whatever. Um, please, you know, feel free to go into the website tourjunkies.net, fill out the contact form, email us, and let us know what's up. Um, I know we've been helping you guys out a bunch. So if there's anybody else out there that didn't get a chance to reach out to us last week, we'd be more than happy to do that for you. We just have people here in Augusta that we've known forever that we trust, and you're not going to get screwed, and you're not going to get in trouble, and it's it's legit. So. Whether you need a place to stay or tickets or you just want recommendations on like, hey, I'm coming, I'm all set, where do I play golf, where do I eat, you know, that kind of thing, let us know. We'll, we'll gladly uh, share that information as we've been doing it for a long time. So that's, yeah. that's that on the Masters. But And, t- and tickets are dropping right now. I've, I've, I've been getting uh, texts and emails. Yeah, I think, I think tickets are uh, getting out there to the people, you know, the, lucky, it, the lucky people. You know, you know what the needle mover is going to be? What's that? Tiger. Like that's gonna be yeah. the thing. That's gonna be the thing. That could be why the tickets are dropping a little bit. Is there there may be more skepticism? No, no, no. You you missed my point. Oh, what? That I was using some. I was kind of getting into your your age here. They were dropping like they're dropping in the mail. Oh, <laughs> not like they're dropping in prices. <laughs> like the beat's dropping. <laughs> the, the beat is dropping. <laughs> Oh, man. More podcast juice, please. Um, okay, so yes, they are being mailed out. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have been mailed out. Man, okay. you are slow. But anyway, yes, the Tiger effect will, will potentially lower that. ticket prices. So, Yeah. Yeah, heads up on that. Um, all right. Yeah, because, I mean, really, if you don't get that set up, like, in the next week to ten days, like, good luck. Yeah. So anyway. just sh- hey, if if, if that's going to be your your style, just show up in Augusta, have fun. Don't worry about if you make the tournament or not. There's a lot going on. True. As, Very as true. we say, it's spring break for older people. So. Yeah. I mean, if you if you are within driving distance, even if you don't have a ticket, just get here. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. It's the best time best time of the year to be in Augusta. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just get here. It'd be fun. Um, all right, so I think that's pretty much it for announcements. We do have a nice course breakdown in the Shot in the Arm product, which a lot of you guys jumped in that last week. We really enjoyed um, getting with a lot of you guys on the, uh, especially in the chat room late last week. We had a lot of good conversation. It felt like we had a lot of people engaged in the chat room last week, which is always fun for us. So the Shot in the Arm is the product on rotogrinders.com. You can check it out. It's in the daily marketplace. Uh, it's five ninety nine for the week. And uh, there's also a season-long pass that you can buy from now that will last you till the end of October for every event of the PGA Tour season this year. And we had some, we had some, some good calls in there. And we also had some really good tips thrown out in the chat room last week. So the chat room is a lot of value, and we get in there uh, a, lot of, a lot of the day on Wednesday and Wednesday night leading up to lineup lock. So it's good yeah. stuff there. Be sure to check it out. Um, any other announcements, Pat? I think that's all I got, or all you got. Yeah, I don't have any of those. I was about to say, <laughs> if it was all you have, we wouldn't have any announcements. Yeah, um, exactly. 
All right, so before we get into the course breakdown and the weather, we're actually going to give you a pretty in-depth course breakdown from a guy who's actually played the tournament. You know, this this golf course, actually, sorry, not, not played the tournament, played the course. This golf course has totally, you know, screwed up a lot of people on Twitter. Um, there's not a lot of information on this course. This is the first time we've seen an event uh, at this golf course. It used to be at Trump National Doral. Um, but now we are in Mexico City, Mexico for this WGC event, and there wasn't a lot of information. In fact, in fact, yours truly spent probably 24 Verizon International minutes on the phone this morning trying to determine what the green surfaces and rough um, was on this golf course because a lot of people on Twitter I was looking around had no clue, and there was some back and forth. Is it Was it Bermuda? Was it POA? So your boy, you know, I'm working hard for you guys. Like, listen, this is why we tell you guys to freaking, like, leave us an iTunes review or buy a T-shirt because we work really hard for nothing (laughs) for the most part. Okay, and I spent 24 international minutes on Verizon. I don't even know. I had to Google how to make an international call just so I could call to this pro shop, right? The answering machine picks up. It's all in Spanish. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm calling to Mexico. So I get on Google Translate. And I'm like, English to Spanish. And so I type out, um, <laughs> I type out, hello, good morning. Um, uh, I am with the media. I would like to ask questions about the WGC event. Can anyone answer in English? Okay, so that's what I typed out. And then Google translated it for me in Spanish. And I was listening, and of course the recording picks up, and it's all in Spanish. I'm like, crap, I don't know what any of this says. So I'm thinking, maybe I'll just hit zero, because that always works. And then I heard Pro Shop, and I was like, oh, Pro Shop, yes. And it's four. So I hit four, and then I get the Pro Shop, and it says, sweet young lady. And I read my, my Spanish text in a horribly southern draw non-spanish speaking <laughs> i wish i could have gotten a recording of this <laughs> and she's like oh okay okay hold on and i'm like okay 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 and this guy like four or five minutes go by and i'm holding and the whole time i'm holding i'm like god how much is this costing me and this guy comes on the phone and and i find out okay yes he speaks english great okay what type of green what type of greens do you have on the golf course and he's like, uh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what type of grass is on the greens of the golf? He's like, uh, hold, hold on. And I'm like, okay. So I hold on, and like two, three minutes go by, which is a long time on the phone. International minutes, right? I don't know if I said that. And then he comes back on the phone, he's like, uh, po- Poa Bent. And I'm like, okay, Poa Bent. All right, all right, great. Um, what type of grass is the rough, and how thick is it? How tall is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm like, God. So another two or three minutes comes by, and he's like, uh, Kikuya, Kikuya. <laughs> and I'm like, what? K- Kikuya, Kikuya? Yes, yes, yes. Um, can you spell that? Uh, hold on. No, 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 hold on. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. <laughs> I think should, why why are you asking him to spell it? Just go Because I it. wanted to make sure it was Kikuya and not some weird Mexican grass. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> do you know how tall it is? And he's like, oh, uh, I forgot. Hold on. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. It's going to be rough. 24 minutes international calling. 
Anyway, so I found that out and broke that news on Twitter all for you guys. I did that for free. In fact, I was, I was at my real job, and the guy next to me, our walls are kind of thin at work. And I had my door shut, but the walls are thin. And he, about six hours later, he comes, he comes walking by my office. He goes, hey, by the way, you know, I, I'm not trying to listen on your phone calls. But occasionally when you get loud on the phone, I can hear you. And all of a sudden, earlier this morning, you were talking, and all of a sudden I hear you speaking really loudly in Spanish. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, and then you, you went to English, but you were really slow and really loud. He's like, what were you doing? <laughs> and I was like, man, I was trying to get this info on this golf course. He's like, oh, it was really weird. I just all of a sudden heard you speaking in Spanish. That's impressive. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I tell you what. Good dedication, stuff, man. man. Dedication. Yeah. Like anyway, it. so what I should have done is just not done that. But our our buddy Paul Appian, who is on the PGA Tour, Latino America Tour, we met him at the uh, at the PGA show. Just a great guy. Paul's a super great guy. Really funny, like sneaky funny guy too. By the way, sneaky funny. Um, saw me struggling on Twitter this morning, and so he reached out to me, and he's like, man. I played the course in 2014. <laughs> Let me help you out. Yeah, I remember it. Let me help you out. So we had a phone call. We recorded the phone call, and we were going to let Paul explain to you a little bit about what he thinks is uh, is going to be important at this golf course from a guy who's actually played at the course very recently and remembers it. So check this out. This is Paul Appian from the PGA Latino America Tour. All right, what's up, golf addict? It's David here. Um, I've got a friend on the line, a, a good guy, just a good guy I met at the PGA show, uh, and he is a player on the PGA Tour Latino America Tour. We've got our buddy Paul Appian, who's actually Canadian, right, Paul? Is that right? Yep, born in Canada. Canadian, eh? And, oh, yeah. You know, Paul, unfortunately, man, um, Pat does not join any conferences or player interviews where players are, are, are not ranked inside the top 800 in the world golf ranking. So, uh, he, he couldn't jump on this call today. Sorry. Pat, I appreciate your kind gestures. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I did notice one thing though. You're a hundred and only 164 spots behind tiger right now. Do you think you can close that gap within the year? <clears throat> now that I got him where I want him, it's time for me to make my move. <laughs> Is that it? I think you can do it. I think you can totally do oh, well, it. Nothing against Tiger, but I hope I can. Yeah. Well, now you, you, you're, you've uh, you had a great year last year. I know on the, on the Latino America Tour with uh, six top twenty fives, four top tens. Um, but you know, we got you on the show because, well, a couple reasons. One, I also know that uh, when your when your career is one day over, many many decades from now, you you want a future in talking somehow. So this is just kind of you know getting you going maybe a broadcasting career or a podcasting career. So that's one reason why we want to have you on. I, I want you to sharpen your skills here. Are you, you good oh, for that? I appreciate that. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Here's the thing is that I've been guilty of having to put sunscreen on my tonsils so that they don't get burned. So this talking business isn't going to be too difficult for me. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Um, and the second reason is because you have actually played um, the, the, the host course for the WGC Mexico Championship. I think you played it in 2014, and, and you kindly reached out to me as you saw me fumbling on Twitter trying to figure out what the hell is going on this week, and um, you offered up some, some advice for our listeners, which we greatly appreciate. First of all, I think what you need to do is pronounce the name of the golf course. Okay. Uh, well, it's 
Club de Golf Chapultepec, which I believe means either cricket or grasshopper. Okay. Uh, it's weird because the, the logo, the tee markers on the golf course are little cricket. So you're like, okay. what the heck is this name for? And you're like, all right, I got it now. But yeah, we were fortunate. We played it in 2014. Phenomenal golf course. Uh, it's actually, I believe, the world's richest man's a member there. And I remember one story of a, a dad wanting to come to the event. You know, we was at a, he's staying at a JW Marriott, two miles from the course, which in Mexico City is arguably one of the nicer hotels. And he goes to the concierge and he says, you need a, a cab to this course. And the guy said, well, look, we can get you there, but there's nothing we can do to get you through the gates. Unless you have something there, I wouldn't even waste your time. Huh. Yeah. And? So that, that's like the exclusivity. He got, obviously he got <laughs> in, his son was playing. Not a problem, but yeah, yeah it's, it's uh it's a really really great golf course i'm curious to see how these guys played it compared to how we played it because uh when we played we had some torrential rains uh right before and guys were losing their balls in the rough just from plugging and couldn't find them and wow uh, it was a good test of golf very difficult and they were uh the guys who are locals said you know this is it's difficult right now but when the course gets firm which hopefully it is for the tour guys haven't uh, popped up on the weather for mexico city lately but um, hopefully they'll get a, a good, firm, fast test of golf out there. It seems like from what I'm seeing right now, uh, and this is Monday, but it seems like from what I'm seeing right now, it, it is it is firm and fast um, as opposed to how you played it. But obviously another key factor of this golf course is the altitude. So speak to the altitude and you being a, a really good player, obviously. And uh, all jokes aside from my, my world golf ranking comment. Um, oh, no, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> It's, you know, well, it's, I, I learned I could rib you a little bit at the at the PGA show, so I know you, you can should. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. like most guys don't understand, or you don't think about it. So they're playing at at this course, which I believe it was about just under eight thousand feet in elevation. The ball right. really flies a lot different. It doesn't curve right and left and left to right as much, which you know makes it really interesting to see how Bubba's going to play this week because obviously yeah. he likes to move it a lot. But yeah. um, then when you play in the mornings, you know, you're still, it doesn't get real hot up there. You're going to have a sweater on. Uh, at least we did for sure. You know, last week we were in Bogota uh, and the same elevation. And it was the uh, same where you're wearing something cool. So the ball only flies like 7% further. But then once huh. you get to noon, one, two, three, when it gets hot, the ball starts flying 15. You know, if you hit certain shots you can get it almost to 20 percent further so all of a sudden you know your your 200 yard club back in the states is now all of a sudden going 240 wow which which makes it a lot different especially when you start aiming it this course has small greens with a lot of undulation it really makes distance control especially the wedges extremely difficult yeah i've seen that too about the greens um being being pretty wavy um, and it seems like there's a lot of, like, like you said, a lot of tears on these greens also counted something like 43 green side bunkers on this golf course. Is that, I mean, do you think when you played it, did you think, my God, there's a bunker everywhere on this, around these greens. Do you feel like it was different than a lot of the other courses you see on tour? Or? Um, for the, the, like the one thing that we enjoyed about the Latin tours, we see all different types of courses, but, uh, yeah. I tried to think of a course that this one is like on the PJ tour and I can't think of it, uh, of a course that would be similar. You know, most guys would look at since this course, I believe was built in the twenties. You're looking at a, 
a Donald Ross, a Seth Rainer, that type of course with their parkland. There's no homes on it. You know, it's surrounded by a 1,500-foot fence that has security guards walking all day. But, yeah. but um, you know, with the small greens, and they, like you are saying, they're really wavy. So it's interesting. And one of the things I remember most about the course is that, you know, if you stand over a four-foot putt and your feet are flat, one thing that's guaranteed is it's not flat at the hole. So, huh. you know, it's either going right to left or left to right. And you may have it where, um, you know, at uh, at your feet, you're feeling the ball go to the right. And it's not going to be doing the same thing it's doing at the hole. It could either be going harder to the right or it could be going the other way. So I'll, I would think the guy who wins this week is going to be the best putter specifically from five to seven feet in that gap. You're going to see a lot of – sorry. No, it seems, that seems a little Augusta-like to me. Like a lot of a lot of undulation, maybe, maybe not the small greens, and obviously Augusta's not POA, but you know, small greens right. and, and that kind of tricky undulation um, is that's interesting. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, a lot of little hidden pockets kind of in the greens, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to see guys are going to you're going to be looking at twenty foot, and you're like, all right, that's diving right in the hole, and sure enough, at the hole, it's going to go the other way, and you're, they're going to look at it and go. I didn't see that, but it's it's yeah. a golf course. That's interesting. It, uh, so, what about? I, I know you mentioned a couple of holes that you felt like were going to be key. What what about some of those those holes and and the type of shots the guys are going to have to hit into those? Well, one's a great opening hole. I believe it's like three hundred yards to the front edge, uh, and then out of bounds is five or six steps off over the green, and then short of the green, within twenty yards, there's trees. <laughs> I remember in the wow. last round, I was like, all right, I just did a little fade just where the green. I'm like, ah, it's going to be perfect. And sure enough, I was right behind a tree that was 10 steps off the edge of the green. Um, so, I mean, guys can get off started, you know, pretty hot there. You'll, there'll be a decent amount of twos and a lot of threes there this week. But, you know, if you pull a drive a little bit into one of these bunkers that's 20 yards off the green, it's, yeah. it's going to be in pretty intimidation. You're going to see a couple of sixes as well. There is a, a par three on the front. I think it's number seven. It was about 230 yards. So yeah. again, depending on what time of day you're playing, is going to, you know, is it a 220 yard shot or is it a 200 and you know five yard shot? Like, you know, all of a sudden that's changing a lot. But it was a really small green. You had water short and you had water right. It, it, and along with that, you had a tree short right of the green. Which, so if you, you couldn't cut one in there as a right hander because the altitude yeah. as well. Um, I remember that hole specifically because we all kind of looked at this tournament set and back, please don't put us on that back box till the weekend. Otherwise, <laughs> there's going to be eight groups on this tee. And yeah. then I'm not, I'm not sure there was a par four. I think it's number 11 on the back. We played it as a par five, but we were told they're going to move it up. And uh, then they've got a green there that's also sitting behind some trees, and they're going to be hitting a 250-yard shot in with – over the green being murder she wrote but yeah one, one of the things i particularly liked about this golf course uh and i hope that the camera can capture it somehow but off of the tee and into the greens no two shots look the same except for two par five tee shots so the, you're having to move the ball you know whether the trees are sticking out more on the right or on the left regardless of which way it's moving or the green complexes you know you don't see similar shots coming in which so the player who has the best vision is again counting in the altitude and guys who are marking the greens it's going to be really interesting to see how they play the different the holes compared to how we played it yet it's going to be tough to move the ball you said left and right or at least a little tougher i mean 
you know, it, it, it makes me think, too, with what you're saying. Like, do you think this is going to be one of those events where you got to have a little more patience? Um, again, I'm thinking of a guy like Bubba, who you mentioned earlier, who I, I just don't see playing well on golf courses where he has to be kind of patient. And, you know, things are going to be thrown at him that are unexpected or unknown. Um, well, you, would you agree with you that? Can get, uh, not not necessarily, because you can get on a hot run there. I'm not sure uh-huh. what par they're going to play at. The, there are two 71. par 71, so I guess number 11 is the one that they might move up. But if, if that's the one they move up, then they've got two reachable par 4s, uh, one drive, or sorry, two reachable par 5s, one drivable par 4 for sure, and then a couple other holes where you're still hitting wedge, you know, a, a shorter wedge in. Yeah, uh, I remember looking at. I think it was number ten. You can hit driver up pretty close to the green, but or you lay back with a hybrid and have a wedge. So you can get it going out there, but patience, especially with the green complexes that they have out there, is going to be key. What about um, what about the uh, what about the POA there and the Kikuya rough? I mean, do you think that's um? I mean, is it true? Is it POA like we see on the West Coast? Um, or, I, or what do you, what do you think I, about it? I don't remember it being like POA on the West Coast, uh, especially really? if they're going to have it firm this week. That'll help out. But the Kikuyu is just such a different grass. It looks like uh, Zoysia, but it plays. You know, they can get uh, Kikuyu fairways really firm, which you can't get with Zoysia. But then when it comes to hitting shots out of the rust, it won't bury like Zoysia. But if you hit it just a touch heavy, it grabs your club and the ball goes nowhere. And chipping yeah. chipping out of Kikuyu is very difficult. And and that's kind of something I was looking at. So, I mean, you, you know what we do as far as, like, looking at stats and trying to figure out what kind of profile we want to, we want to put on this golf course. And for me, I, I kind of felt like accuracy off the tee seems more important um, than than distance, which when I first looked at the scorecard, I kind of thought it would be the opposite. But with the altitude and uh, a lot of even some of these longer holes, either being uphill or downhill as well, um, I feel like accuracy off the tee is pretty important. I feel like your second shot or that strokes gained approach statistic where you've got guys who are just really second shot ball strikers into these small greens with a lot of undulation, needing to have it on the right of the green as well is important and then scrambling seems pretty key as well if like you said you got small greens they're firm and fast uh if you're missing missing greens and you're having to chip up on these things um or play from one of these 43 greenside bunkers that would be important would you agree disagree would you add anything take anything away well you know the guys that i know that I don't know that you'll be able to find this at. The guys that I know that play from Mexico City that travel all hit their drivers straight up. They hit it high and far. So at mm-hmm. that altitude, you obviously can. I think it's number number four was this dogleg left par five, par four. Well, if you just hit your three wood straight away, you had 200 yards in. But if you went up over the trees with a driver, you were hitting a pitching wedge in. And again, mm-hmm. that, that's going to be different because we could just hit it in the fairway and know it was going to stop, whereas they may still do that and it run in through the fairway in the rough. Once mm-hmm. you got out of the fairway, there's not a whole lot of space until you get into the trees out there. It's, it's almost like a harbor town in that regard. Yep. Interesting. And, and they're, they're, God, I mean, it's a good story about that event is we get out there and on Monday, there's nothing behind 18 greens. So we're like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do for stands. and 
by Thursday morning, they had built by hand, hammer and nails, three full stands with TVs, power, bathrooms in it, hand painted with a roller. Wow. It looked like they had been there all uh, a month. Are you kidding nice. me? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I bet that'd be fun for you to watch this event on TV. Like just kind of seeing Absolutely. some of the changes, not not having been there in a couple of years. Right. Well, like say, it's uh, a great golf course. It's one of it's one of my favorites that I've played, uh, especially yeah. on the Latin Tour. We're very fortunate to play some really cool courses, but this one this one sticks out uh, uh, almost as much as any other course we've played. That's awesome. So what's uh, what's on tap for you, man? Tell us uh, tell us your schedule for the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's see. So Sunday, I head to Argentina. Uh, fly down there. We play just south of Buenos Aires. Then the next week we are in Guatemala. I think half of the tour is connecting in Miami uh, between those events. If that just gives your uh, listeners an idea how how far some of the travel is. Then the next week we yeah. uh, go from Guatemala to Honduras, which is pretty light week uh, travel wise. Then we're off for three weeks, and then we go back to Argentina for one week where. Uh, we play at Angel Cabrera's home golf course, and he plays in that event every year. So that's always fun. Oh, cool. El Pato. That's the one. Right. That's him, yeah. Yep. The How's duck. your Spanish? Are you pretty you pretty good? Uh, boy, our first first event I ever played in, we had five Americans. We walked out of the airport. We all have our bags. We're pretty excited. And we go, all right, who knows how to speak Spanish and tell a cab driver where to go? And we all stopped. And went, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Like, this isn't a good situation, so I've <laughs> I've gotten to where I can tell the cab driver where to go. My caddy needs to yeah. know everything. I can have a little bit of a conversation, and I can order what I want to eat, and it comes back the way I want it. Nice. Nice. So, well, good I'll stuff, man. Well, good now. luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, keep keep working on it. Um, well, good luck uh, for the next few weeks, and then you get a, a few weeks break and go home and hang out with the family and you know, um, coach up the kid a little bit. I mean, you know, he's, he's old enough now. He can start getting some coaching. Yeah. He's really good at hitting that club into the hardwood floor right now. <laughs> good stuff, man. Well, uh, Paul, we appreciate you coming on the podcast and thanks for your insight. And, um, if you guys want, you can follow Paul on Twitter. He, he doesn't tweet a lot, but he's, he's pretty funny when he does. It's at Paul Appian, A-P-Y-A-N, right? Yep, that's it. Did and he, then I have another uh, Twitter account as well. It's uh, at Life on Mini Tours. It's an account that I started as a joke, and it kind of tweets right. about the things that happen happen out there. I follow you on that one too, but you don't ever tweet anything, man. You got to get more active. No. Yeah. Well, it started out as Mini Tour problems, and then we, you know, we're always looking for the problems in the that's place. Perfect. <laughs> you know, well, when when you go to these third world countries and you're looking for something to complain you kind of go man yeah. we have it pretty well pretty good yeah 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 but it, it does make for a more funny twitter account though if you do many tour problems wow well, yeah okay. we had you to know, change it yeah okay you, you, i appreciate you, that well i mean the 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 positivity is a stand-up move that's that's a good move you're a good guy uh but uh, we do we do need to see more twitter action out of you man like give us some periscope okay. live or something from your next event give us something we need to all right people we need to know what's going on in, in on the Latino America tour. I'll just try not to get fined, but we'll see what we can do. You won't get fined. Come on, man. Don't be scared. Will Wilcox just signed a DraftKings deal. I think you're all right. Willie Wilcox. Willie Wilcox. Not Willie right. anymore. <laughs> that's, 
Thanks for the correction. Are you going to change your name anytime soon? I'm not going to Polly. I can Pauly, tell you that. Polly. Polly Shore. Uh, hey, yeah. whoa, whoa. Are you that parrot out there? Nah. No. Nah. Not me. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate the time. Uh, Absolutely. Again. Thank and, you for your enjoy, time. David. Enjoy watching the tournament at the cricket. Will do. All right. See you, bud. We'll see you. All right, so that was our buddy Paul. Um, good stuff from him, man. Good stuff. We so glad that he came to our rescue. I think this is going to be really valuable information on a course that nobody knows about. So, Pat, in that conversation, I know you weren't able to join, but I know you listened in. What were your takeaways from that call? Uh, well, the biggest takeaway I had was actually how to say the name of the course. <laughs> yeah, right. How, is, because, how do you say the name of that? Yeah, because, um, and I still think I would mess it up, so I'm not going to even try it because I'm only going to try it one time, and that's when I give a little my quick course review. Um, but that it did stand for cricket. I thought that was kind of cool. Yes, club to cricket. Um but yeah, I mean, I think you know. Again, I, I, it was good insight. You know, he talked about the greens a little bit, as and we had thought that there was going to be some, a lot of undulation in those greens. Um, you know, kind of a tight course. Uh, you know, so th- that was some good insight. And uh, again, I don't think you're going to get that anywhere else than the Tour Junkies podcast. Would, would you? Wouldn't you say? I mean, who else is going to have that kind of info? This is a weird week. I love it. I, actually, I love this week, even though I'm a big course history guy. I think this is, it's like a puzzle that's just going to be, like, as the week goes on, all the way up until lineup lock, you know, we're going to kind of keep getting more pieces of the puzzle for this course and whatever else, and so I'm kind of, I'm excited about this week. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it definitely adds a different element to the weekly research, which is fun. I do think there's still a tendency to overthink it. There's 77 players in the field. There's no cut, so... The yeah. basic strategy, which we'll get into later, I think fairly is the same as what we're used to with these events. But as far as takeaways from Paul, um, definitely <clears throat> was was interesting to hear his his thoughts, specifically on the greens, small greens. Yeah. We knew they were POA, but he also kind of said, man, if they don't putt like POA on the West Coast, which I think is interesting because a lot of people are looking at West Coast you know, uh, relationships there, correlations, and that may or may not be true. I mean, this is one guy's opinion, and he was like, listen, I don't think it's the same kind of POA as what's on the West Coast. I thought that was interesting. He also talked about, you know, he talked about the undulation, he talked about the POA, but he even said, you know, these guys putting from that five to seven foot range is going to be is going to be critical. Um, anytime you have undulating, you know, greens, like you do at Augusta almost, like you're going to yeah. have longer par putts. You know, to save par or or to to save a big number, you're gonna have those putts, which I think is cool. But even Paul was like, you know, you could be standing there with a five foot putt, and you feel like it's breaking, you know, two inches right, and it's actually dead straight, or it's breaking, or it's breaking an inch left, or you know, whatever it is. It's really interesting. They're they're intricate, very detailed greens. Well, isn't it? You know, and I I like the correlation with the national, but. Um, so if he says they're playing a little different than actual POA that we, we typically see on the West Coast, you know, I, I know you mentioned when you called there, actually, and spent all that time doing that, you know, they said POA bent. So do you think you look more at kind of your bent grass, you know, not specialist, but I don't know. To me, I think, you know, the, the, those that putt well on greens like the National this week are catching my eye a little bit. I mean, I don't think so. I'm not going to read into that, the surface. All, all that really tells me is I'm just not going to probably wait it because yeah. 
I don't know. That's just me. I'm 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 not feeling. I just I'm really trying not to overcomplicate this week. Like as I'm doing my research today, I was like, I can't do not overcomplicate it. It is about yeah. in this event. It is about the contest that you pick to play in. It is about the um, uh, you know, it's about the ownership percentages to me even more so than than any other week. And it's about you know, it's about scoring is what it's about. Yeah, so you're, well, you're I'm, right. I'm still I mean, trying not to overcomplicate it, but you know, it, it, as, it, as much as it's a different course that nobody's ever seen, it's the same thing we see with these no cut events, WG, WGC events. Um, you you kind of have to have the same similar strategies. Uh, I'm totally with you. I, I find myself trying not to overcomplicate this as much as I can, even though there's a you know you, there's a tendency to want to do that because we're on a new course that we haven't seen really that much. Yeah. But I do think some other key things that Paul said, you know, when he mentioned the smaller greens and, and the undulation, and, and I've even done some extensive course um, study on this as much as possible, and it does seem like like hitting the ball from the fairway or your approach shot onto the right tier of the green is going to be critical. And I mentioned in the interview there's 43 greenside bunkers on this golf course. And, and with small greens, a bunch of greenside bunkers, a bunch of undulation – First of all, strokes gained approach, which I've been on all week and I don't think I'll ever be off of, is is going to be critical. Like you want guys who are going to who are going to be accurate with that second shot. But also, so are we just like are we now just like yes. scratching the whole course preview and we're no, just going to no, no, go no, 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 no. we're well, going to go with, with straight to stats. <laughs> we're going to kind of blend it. We're going to kind of blend it because okay. I think I think again Paul kind of gave us a good rundown, but I think the second most valuable thing is the scrambling. I mean, he talked about you know, chipping, especially out of this rough, out of this Kikuya, chipping out of the Kikuya is tough. Plus, you're 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 chipping on to undulating greens that people don't know the intricacies of. Um, actually, saw something else today on Twitter, so be aware of this. And this is again why we say if you don't have a Twitter account but you want to be good at DFS, you're you're not you're not doing it right. Yeah. Um, I saw Bubba Watson. He's there the course today on Twitter talking about how fast the greens were. He's like, I was kind of shocked at how fast they were rolling today. He said they got to be like a 13 on the stem. So you're yeah. hitting the ball out of Kakulia or you're hitting the ball out of 43 greenside bunkers onto undulating greens that are 13 on the stem on a dry and fast surface. I think scrambling is also going to be key. Um, yeah, I agree. Now, I also thought what was interesting is what Paul talked about as far as the the um, the altitude. You know, like I knew the altitude was going to be a thing, but how much of a thing and the difference in the morning and the afternoon was also kind of crazy to the, think I about. Was, yeah, I didn't – that I meant to say that was, that was a big takeaway for me because I really didn't think of it that way. But, again – the, the altitude is certainly going to play a factor. I think you're going to see a lot of guys club down this week, especially off the tee. Um, so, you know, that brings into play some other guys that we'll talk about here. But I, I just – that's it, – it's – to be honest, I've never played in altitude like that. So I have I have no clue what it's like. I don't know if you have or not. But, um, it'd be, so, it'd I mean, be the first 260-yard drive you've ever hit. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> it, well, you know what? Actually, I think I could I could push two eighty. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I well, think so. The and that's kind of the thing too, because I, I kind of pressed him on the accuracy off the tee thing. And if you heard him there at the end, he's like, "Well, but if you hit the ball high and you can cut these corners and get over these trees, and you know, with the altitude, 
that's a serious advantage into some of these holes. So, I, you know, I think I think the I think the biggest things for me that I'm going to wait are birdie or better, strokes gained approach, and scrambling. And then I'm going to kind of look at, you know, bombers, but also some some of those accuracy guys that are in good form, that check the boxes in all the other categories. So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, why don't you why don't you give your course breakdown in weather and don't you know obviously don't repeat it. We've pretty much given the course breakdown. I just want to hear you I say really the don't. name of the club. <laughs> I really don't know what else I have to say. I mean, it's the WGC Mexico Championship in Mexico City, Mexico, at Club de Golf Chapultepec. Hey, uh, that was pretty good. Actually, was that, that pretty better. good? I almost wanted to say just Chipotle do. and just forget it, but. Um, <laughs> 7,330 yards, par 71. We've mentioned almost everything that I have written down already, but um, weather this week is going to be beautiful. I don't expect too much as far as rain or anything like that. You know, Partly cloudy maybe Saturday and Sunday right now. Uh, winds, I don't see much as far as winds are concerned affecting anything. Maybe Thursday, they're a little bit higher on Thursday, but Friday, Saturday, and Sunday look absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, it's going to be anywhere from, you know, low 50s to, you know, low, you know, high 60s, low 70s. So perfect weather, I think, for golf. So I, to me, weather is not a huge factor at this point. Obviously, we're going to we're going to look at that later in the week. Um, again, as you said, just to reiterate, reiterate a couple things, you know, no cut this week. So that's going to play a factor into how we. Uh, maybe strategize. I, I'm probably going to be a little less, you know, as far as my bankroll is concerned, because I think you just have to be a little bit, you know, with these no cut events, you got to have the winner for one to me, especially in a GPP, and you got to have the scores, and you almost have to have a perfect lineup, you know, to win a GPP. So I'm probably going to cut back a little bit this week and mostly play GPPs just because that's how I am anyway. But, you know, again, on the cash front, you're, you're going to have to be a little more precise in order to, you know, get in that top 50. So just a couple of points that, that I may have on that. Other than that, I think we've pretty much covered the course pretty good. Um, all right. So, you know, one thing I think is important is going to be the there's going to be the ownership percentage. I think that's going to be something that's going to be key for the GPPs. And you know, we've been talking about FanShare Sports for the last few weeks. And man, the more and more I use that site, the more I am convinced that that's a staple for for a DFS player to to kind of put in their in their arsenal of tools, if you will. Like. So they have, uh, and we've done more digging into this as we've just, you know, learned more about it and played around with it a little bit more. They they nailed eight of the ten highest owned guys last week again. So they're just consistently on the ownership deal. And you know, Pat and I have never really spent a lot of time doing ownership projections. For one, we don't have enough time to do ownership projections. <laughs> you know, if you guys don't know, we have other full time jobs, wives, and five kids between the two of us. So. Ownership there are projections. other very good resources for that, including yeah. what we're talking about. But but to me, like, why would I waste the time getting the exact number? You know, like, is this guy going to be twenty four percent owned or twenty percent owned? Like, who cares? As long as I know who the most, <laughs> who the highest owned guys are. Which, by the way, I did this last week. So I looked at FanShare, but you have to have the pro version. So FanShareSports.com 
the pro version. Last week in the GPP that I told you I almost took down, or I, w- I would have taken down, or come closer to taking down, had Ricky <laughs> birdied the last hole. I put Ricky in that lineup, one, for because of you, and two, because of fan share. I'm like, the, the, the four guys at the top, it was, yeah. it was pretty much what we thought it was going to be. Like, the highest done guys were Adam Scott, Sergio, and then Justin Thomas, and then Ricky. So I was like, I'm just going to go with the lowest done, the, the lowest projected guy at the top, and it was Ricky. And Fanshare nailed it. So not only do they do that too, but they give you the statistics. Like they tell you the statistics that people are talking about in their articles, on their podcasts, on their whatever. So you can also kind of get a sense of, well, am I the only person talking about strokes gained approach or is everybody talking about strokes gained approach? And if everybody's talking about this, then they're all going to come to the same conclusion that this guy's the guy to play. And, you know, anyway, I think this week, if you're going to play in a GPP, I think this is critical because especially (coughs) – Excuse me, especially in a large GPP. Like, and honestly, I'll probably not play in large GPPs this week. Like last week I did. But in a large GPP, like the the 75K Eagle, like the $5 three max entry, I mean, 17,000 people playing in that on a, with a 77 man field, no cut event. I don't think so. Like, I'd probably just rather save that money for next week and do something different. But if you're going to play, I'll a, play you, you'll do it. I'll do it anyway, yeah. But in a small GPP, though, like the ownership is going to be so much more critical. Even in double-ups and 50-50s, if they're a little bit bigger, fan share is, is going to be critical for you to check those uh, you know, those ownerships, which we don't have any idea what those are tonight, which is why you need to get in the shot in the arm and get in the chat room on Wednesday, and we can tell you what's up. Well, I think, again, I'll you know, just talking about fan share – you know, it's sort of like habit with, you know, we all have sort of the same things that we like to go to from a week-in and week-out basis. I know, you know, we both love Roto-Grinders, um, but Fanshare is becoming a staple for me just to get in there and, and check it out, especially right before, you know, we get to lineup lock. So, uh, love it. Good stuff. Okay, so there's another thing we need to talk about, and, I'm, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on before we get into player prices, but there's just a lot to consider. Is the seminal effect... Have you looked at oh this? Oh my gosh! I mean, I think this could be real. Not not You're too been real. You've all over Twitter about this today, and I just I can't. Okay, so I can't get on board with it. I have word from a fellow tour pro who was at Seminole today that there are about twelve to fifteen guys who are playing at the WGC that were playing today at Seminole. Now, yeah, it's pretty well. It's also easy to find that out when somebody like Steve Flesh, who is a uh, we don't know, but I follow him at in the flesh. Yep, and uh, he posts the the actual standings for oh, today's turn. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so when if you go in that? and check, if you go in and check that out, uh, you can see all the guys that are playing in you know playing in the the tournament for you know at Seminole, and then you know match that against the guys that are playing at WGC. And you are right; it is several guys, several. Actually, Justin Rose was near the top. He won the net. Well, he net. won this event, yeah. Well, he, he won, won the net a couple years ago, too. Yeah, won the net today, but did not win the gross. So, But he was close on the gross with I, his partner. So, I can't see the freaking – the list is too small. Yeah, just, just 
Just check it out later. Listeners can check it out, but you'll see. But I don't. I'm not, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it. You're, yeah, but here's I think the thing. you're going to put more than I am. But yeah, I, but I don't here's re- the thing: if you are at Seminole and you're and you're going to see a golf course that you've never seen before, that apparently you know the green structures are different. The the POA is not like POA on the West Coast. All this kind of stuff. I don't know. Like I think that has some. I, I'm not saying you fade everyone who's played Seminole. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you're if I'm saying it could be a tiebreaker. If you've got a guy who has been there since today and he's been checking out the golf course that nobody's seen before, I don't know how that's not an edge. Like, tell me why you think that's not an edge. I just, I just don't believe it is. I don't think, uh, again, that it makes one. But I, to me, it's sort of a stress reliever for these guys too because they're just going out there having a fun time at a at a member guest style event. And uh, so, it, I mean, it could be a good thing to play in it. They don't have, you know, there's, there's not, I don't know, it's a, it's a practice round on a very tough course, from what I hear. And then they get to fly over to Mexico or whatever, but I don't, I don't think, you know, flying over to Mexico isn't a huge deal. It's not like flying overseas. So I, I just, I I'm not talking about big... the flight or the travel. Like, I'm not worried about that. I'm just talking about the familiarity with the golf course. I think everybody's on the same page, though, when it comes to that. Even even a guy that has a day late preparation versus a guy that has a day earlier. I just, I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I really don't. But, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I'm not, like, saying it's not a valid argument or something to even look at. I mean, I agree with that. But it's just, for me, it's not going to, like, I'm not going to be looking at two guys and say, okay, well, uh, Stinson, went straight to the tournament and Fowler played at uh Seminole so I'm going to take Stinson over or take Fowler or Stinson over Fowler. I may not do that. Actually <laughs> that's a bad example because today I would actually take Stinson over Fowler, but um anyway, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into uh let's get into the picks this week. Um uh, you've got Uh, You've got Dustin Johnson kicking it off. You've got Jordan Spieth, Rory, coming back from the rib injury. Apparently, he's he's striping the ball pretty well at Seminole. I mean, I think it's a a great sign to see him playing at Seminole. I think for Rory, that's a good thing. Um, You've got Hideki and Stinson rounding out your top guys in the five-digit range. What is the plan for you, Mr. Perry? Well, I I think, um, you know, again, there's all all these guys are – are worth playing there is it's hard to you know fade any of these guys but for me my favorite's going to be stinson this week i, I love him at 10-3 um i think he's probably going to be hitting those three woods for days off of the off of the tee he's not going to have to hit driver all that much and we know how good he can be and deadly he can be with that three wood um i think as as far as you know recent form and everything else for 10-3 i just love that price so it, right there at the bottom, I mean, Stinson's probably it's going to be a staple in a lot of lineups for me. And then I'm I'm going to fade Rory this week, and and that and typically, it, well, I just think you know I always pick him for the most part a lot. I love him. I love Rory. I think he's probably the best golfer in the world when he's on. But I want to wait and see. I'm going to take a little wait and see approach with him, even though that price is tempting. 
Um, I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of Rory this week. I do like Spieth though at eleven five. I think it's a good discount to DJ up at the top, who I'm probably going to fade as well. Um, you know, Spieth checks the box for me on scrambling. Obviously, he can putt. We know he can putt on greens like this with a lot of undulations. So, uh, and he's got great recent form. Uh, checks the box for me on birdie or better percentage. So, to me, if it just the top two plays, Stenson and Spieth over ten k. Well, for me, I am really going to go – I'm going to go with one guy, and that's Jordan Spieth at 11.5. It's tough to fade DJ. It's really tough to fade DJ. But um, I'm going to go with Jordan. I, I think all-around game, checking the box with strokes gained approach, the scrambling we know is some of the best in the world. You know, If you want to make some kind of comparison to Augusta as far as putting and chipping Jordan Spieth, um, also, he's scoring points left and right. I mean, the guy's in incredible form, like all these guys are, really. But I think Jordan has a good mix of of abilities and skill sets in this um, in this event to to do the eleven five price tag. And I'm probably only going to roll with one guy. I mean, it, you know, out of this group, I think for the most part, that's what I'll do is really just stick to one guy and just you know put my flag in the ground and and make my statement again. I really don't see how you go wrong with any of these guys if you, you know, if you feel strongly about one or the other. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sell you on fading anybody, really. I mean, and I'm like you. If I were going to fade one, it might be Rory, just to wait and see on the ribs thing. It's a strong field, you know. Everybody's going to get four rounds. Like, just maybe wait and see. But that ten nine price tag is is nice. Um, yeah, it is. But yeah. you know, I don't think you can go wrong. So let's let's go ahead and keep going. Let's go to the uh, the nine thousand dollar range, which I think there's a couple guys in here I'm really digging. I'll start us off. Um, I think Justin Rose at, at ninety six hundred. You know he's obviously playing great at Seminole, <laughs> so so he's keeping he's keeping the great form rolling at Seminole. I mean a T four the last time we saw him at the Genesis with uh, you know with similar surfaces. If you want to if you want to go with that with, with that um, with that story, but he also checks the box in scrambling in. DraftKings points. He's uh, he's a good. He's actually a good sand player too, which isn't really a key stat, but he's a great sand player. He's checking the box there. Uh, Justin Rose, another kind of speeth like as far as total driving. Like he's not he's not a DJ. Um, he's not a Rory as far as a bomber, but he hits it long enough. So I think with with some of these holes, he can take advantage. So Justin Rose is one guy in the nines, and then John Rahm at 9,000. I love John Rahm at that price. Strokes gained approach and scoring, 9,000 even. I'm going to have a lot of John Rahm, probably in cash and in GPP. Don't care. Um, but those are those are really my three guys at the top, is Spieth in the five-digit range, Rose and Rahm. Other than that, that's all I'm doing, and then I'm going to have a lot of guys in that 8 and 7K range. Well, you know, we can move really quickly through the nines because I'm totally with you on both Rose and Rom. Nice. Uh, both are, they both were my favorite guys in this category. Um, I, I'm I'm totally with you. So I don't I don't I don't think I need to waste much more time of our of our listeners. Let's just let's just move on because I'm with you. I think those are two okay. of my favorite guys in the nine and and let's go uh, let's, let's let's head on down to the eights and sevens where there's there's a lot of players there especially with the pricing this week that i think are really good value total agreement early on all right we'll kick us off in the eights 
All right, so I, I got several here, but I'm going I'm to throw out my two favorites. First is going to be Sergio. I love him this week at 8,500. Uh, obviously, his recent form is is incredible. Um, I think if he just gets that putting, you know, going this week, which I think he can. Um, I, yeah, I know. I guess it was the Genesis. He was what 48th, um, but I think I don't know. I'm not going to just. I'm not going to put too much stock in that. He played played pretty well last week. Got a top 15. Uh, you know, obviously had a win about three weeks ago. I love Sergio Garcia. Just the way he's hitting the ball right now, his confidence, everything else. All he's got to do is get that putter going, and I think he'll be you know a really good play. And I think he'll probably be you know even though that price tag at 8,500 thing seems very enticing. There's a part of me that thinks he might be a little lower owned than he should be. So. Love Sergio at 8,500. Also, you know, dropping down just below him, you know, looking at our boy uh, Terrell Hatton. I mean, I think at 8,300. Just, you know, had a great week last week. Incredible recent form. You look at his last three tournaments. He's had two top fives and a top 15. Uh, You know, to me, again, Hatton is a guy that is just – 8,300 is just – way too cheap for him he, he's he should be up in that nine thousand range but nobody really knows about him too much yet but i think they will and the final guy that i'm going to throw out there is gary woodland and and woodland you know you and i kind of i kind of have a love hate you're probably more love than i am with woodland yeah but he just the way he straight if you watched him on sunday and, and a lot of that last tournament at the honda the way he's striking the ball and the confidence he has right now, and I think he's added a lot more to his game. He's not just bombing it off the tee and doing whatever. To me, and then at 8400 it's just it's a good price. And he checks the box on putting, strokes gained, approach to the green. Um, again, just recent form is, is incredible. So, you know, you look at his last, you know, four, at, like, you know, again, four out of five events, he had a top, you know, top, 10 at the Sony, top 20 at the Farmers. He did miss a cut at the Waste Management, but at, you know, at the AT&T, he was fifth, and then last week he was second. I just I have a hard time staying off Woodland. So I think those, you know, those three guys to me are my favorites. There's there may be a few more, but that's that's the three guys that I'm really pegging this week. Well, I love Gary Woodland. He checks the box for me in strokes gained approach, scrambling, scoring, and he's even a, a good sand player of late as well. So um, in great form, I was all over him last week and enjoyed uh, enjoyed the, the fruits of that. Uh, you know, he's a bomber, so he can take advantage when he's got to pull the driver, but he, he's a great bomber on short tracks yeah, where he, he can is. use less than driver. So I think he's a great – now, I do think he's going to be super popular, like – he is. I bet Fanshare will have him in the top five ownership. Um, you know, by by the time Wednesday night rolls around, at eighty four hundred, he's going to be super popular. Now, I, I will say I'm a little off on Terrell Hatton. Now, I had him last week and enjoyed enjoyed that as well. Um, and I do think he's a great player. I think if you want a European who has some of the similar skill sets that Terrell Hatton has, you can go lower and find one that has all that and is in great form for a lot cheaper. Uh, and I think coming off of the the recency of, of the Honda Classic and that finish, Hatton's just going to be higher owned. So if I can get a, a pretty much the exact same player, a Euro, who's in great form but a lot cheaper, I think I'd rather can, can I guess? lower owned. Yes. Because I, I have a feeling you have somebody in mind. Okay. 
So my guess is going to be you're going to you're going to drop down from from Hatton to uh, Alexander Norin. That is correct. That's okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Who I love this week. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Um. Well, for me, there's only there's really one other guy that I really like in the eight thousands range. It's eighty two hundred. Checks the bro- checks the box and strokes gained approach, scrambling, and DraftKings scoring. Had a T14 at the Honda Classic, and that is Francesco Molinari. I, I think, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's not the bomber, but I think he's just one of those accuracy guys that is in such good form, scrambling well. I think I'll roll with him. So I like Molinari at 8,200. Other than that, that's it for me in the eights. Um, to I'm keep, with you on Molinari, by the way. All I right. think uh, great pick this week. We've kind of been on him the last few weeks, and yeah. uh, he'll come through again this week. Well, to kick off the $7,000 range, my man, man, we didn't talk about this for the Honda, but Brendan Steele at 7900 the guy <laughs> got a nine and then followed it up with a double. I think he... Hey, great call on that fade, he man. He gave away seven shots on the front nine on Thursday, and... He, he could have won this tournament. He then proceeded to light the golf course on fire, like... On fire. Listen, the the fade was I, I I said was a risky fade. It was one of those where you'd rather I said you'd rather be a week early than a week late. Well, you know is what it is. I was obviously wrong, but also a lot of freaking people were sweating on Thursday after he did that. Yeah, no, um, you're right. I, I'm telling you, it was an amazing thing that he did to come back and finish the way he finished, um, and actually play his way into this event because he was not into this event, but he finished T14th and got his got himself in. So just amazing. I mean, amazing, amazing tournament from Brennan Steele. And, and, and I didn't want to fade him because he didn't check boxes. I even said he checked all the boxes. It was just one of those bold calls. You just plant your flag and you, you roll with it. And I had zero exposure to him. So I backed up what I said. Had zero exposure to him. But I do not want to fade him this week. <laughs> in, a, in a no-cut <laughs> event, the way he is scoring right now and checking the box and strokes gained approach, we're back on POA, which if it has any resemblance to California POA, unlike what Paul said, I'll take it because Brennan Steele loves California POA. Uh, he's a California guy. So 7900 bucks. I love Brennan Steele. Um, also like Zach Johnson there in that category. He's definitely a scrambler uh, all around. You know, T27th at the Honda had – had really a good a good tournament go until Sunday. Shot a 74 on Sunday, but three rounds, you know, 68, 69, 67 at the Honda, a T T12 at the Waste Management before that. If this turns into a fast and firm golf course for these accuracy guys, and then turns into a wedge competition, uh, there's probably not much better on the PGA Tour than Zach Johnson. So. Um, I'll give you another one kind of in the sevens. It's kind of a mid-range, and I'll let you go. But uh, another one I like at 7,400, checking the box and scrambling, scoring, and he's also a sand player. Just signed with PXG, by the way. Last saw him at the Genesis Open where he got a T28. That's Pat Perez at 7,400. I'm kind of liking Pat wow. Perez. I haven't really played a lot of him this year, unfortunately, because he's been playing well. But I'm liking Pat Perez this week. I think I think this could be a fun week for him. Uh, I could see him scoring well. 7,400 seems to be a good GPP play as well. I could see him being below like five or six percent owned. Wow. Okay. Perez was not. I, I just didn't have my eye on him. So I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna disagree with you. He just wasn't there yeah. for me. 
I am totally with you, though, on Zach Johnson. I was kind of surprised you brought him up. I think he's been a little bit under the radar lately. Um, I love him putting on greens like this with a lot of undulation, some speed. Um, checks a box for me on greens and regulation. You know, we talked about earlier, these are these are hard greens to hit. They're small. So it's 7,900. Zach, to me, is going to be incredibly low-owned. He's a good GPP play, so I really like him. I also like Snedeker, 7,800. Um, again, you know, he loves POA greens. He puts very well on those. Uh, even if, like you said, it, you know, it, they may not be exactly like California POA, but uh, he, he typically has always played well on those. And then if you, if you want to go back, though, and say, okay, well, how does he play on, you know, more bent grass or undulating greens? Well, he always puts well out at the national. So I think that, you know, Sneds is a pretty good play at 7,800 and probably a little bit too cheap there. And then another one I'll throw out, well, there's a lot in here that I really like. Um, I really like Cabrera Bello at 7,400. You look at his court or his recent form: six straight cuts, three of those were top twenties, uh, with two of them top tens. Uh, to me, this is a, is a course that fits him. I, I love him at seventy four hundred. So Cabrera Bello is a, is another one, and then um, you know we talked about Norin earlier, so I'll throw him in. And then on top of that, Jim Furyk. I think Jim Furyk at seventy three hundred. He's made both his cuts since he's come off injury. He checks a box for me on scrambling, strokes gained approach, and putting. So I think Furyk is a is a very good play down at the bottom there there at seventy three hundred. And like I said, there's a lot of good guys in here. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird pricing in the seven thousands because you got Mickelson in there, a lot of big names, Cooch. Um, so it's just a matter of picking those. But but the ones I've just mentioned are are my favorites. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm probably fading guys like Kucher and Furick just for the GPP play. I mean, in a cash lineup, don't mind it at all. In yeah, fact, we they're going to be high on the GPPs, especially Mickelson. So. Yeah, and then what do you do about Bubba at 7,000? I don't know. Bubba, to me, I, I just like there's just something. I just want to kind of pull the trigger on him. At 7,000, like, that card. is a really low price. I mean, even in a field yeah. like this, I mean, it just speaks to the form, though. Like, his but he form could has eat this course up. He could, and that, that's kind of what Paul was getting to when I was I was trying to pick his brain about Paul or about Bubba. But, you know, again, it, I don't know. At 7,000, I probably will have some exposure to him, although I'm not going to have a lot. But um, Norin, you mentioned at 7,200, I like a lot. I, I, uh, my favorite play in the 7,000s. Checks a box in scrambling. One of the top five scramblers on tour. Also scoring uh, birdies and, and DraftKings points. Also a total driving guy. So hits it long enough. Bill Haas at 7,000 I love. Uh, in great form. I love Bill Haas. And I'm taking Francesco Molinari, who is the Italian Bill Haas. So I'm back on the Haas train. And, and it's served me well so far this year. You can hate all you want. But Haas at seven grand is a steal. I, I'm, you got, you got a pat stamp of approval on that oh, one. Oh, good, good, okay. Um, other than that, I mean, listen again with a field like this, it's an event like this is tough. In the sub seven range, I'm not gonna get, I, I'm not gonna get real cute in here. But GPP purposes, which is what I'm probably gonna play the most this week. I think Lee Westwood at 6,800 is is interesting. Definitely a ball striker, long enough. Um, you know, he's not the best putter in the world, but surprisingly enough, he does play well at Augusta. If you want to 
if you want to play well that correlation. Um, and then Johnny Vegas at 6,600, who just is in fantastic form, and I, I like him just at bare minimum price. He's, uh, you know, he's a bomber who can score, and he will likely be comfortable down here in South America, being Venezuelan. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Johnny V at the minimum price is pretty, pretty. And actually, not minimum price. Well, hundred dollars off the minimum price, but I think it's pretty attractive. I mean, other than that, like I'm just not because I'm only going to take one guy, I'm probably just going to roll with Spieth and a lot of like a ton of GPP lineups and then I'm dropping down. I'm not going to get too much into the $6,000 range. Yeah. What well, about you? I'm at, I'm with you on Vegas. He is probably my one of my top plays in this in this range. The guy had missed a cut in forever. Um he's playing incredibly solid. Again, it's just to me he's he's almost like the class of this group. So I'm totally with you on Vegas. Um, you know, you look at his last. Let's not get carried away. He's not the class of the group. You mean? Oh, you mean the six thousands? Oh, the six thousand group. I mean, yeah, no. If you look at his last six events, though, he was fourth last week, top fifteen at the Genesis, top thirty at, at Farmers Insurance, top thirty five at the Career Builder. Yeah, as far and as then, recent form, yeah. I mean, again, the guy just. He's been he's been playing very well. So yeah, I, I mean the class of the six thousand group, Vegas you could actually say is is there. And then, um, you know I'm kind of like I, I I think I'm gonna take a flyer on Danny Willett this week. Ooh, it's sixty seven hundred. I just like him putting on courses like this, and I think this is this is something that sets up well for him. So it's sixty seven hundred coming off a bad week last week, where I know you were off of him as well. I, I'm I'm gonna have some shares of Willett. I, I think I think he's he is his form is is not bad. I, I don't want to put too much on what what happened last week. So I kind of like that. Interesting. So go, okay. go a little Willett. Okay. Um. All right. Any? Uh, do you any, want a no name flyer? Do you want a no name flyer? Sure. Of course. Yes. All right. David Lipsky. Yeah, David Lipsky's in good form right now. That's for sure. Seventy one hundred. I don't know if I quite. I wish he was in the six thousand. Yeah. 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 You look at it though. The May Bank. He was second. He's made his last five straight cuts. Hong Kong Open. He was fifth. Great. Again, if you want to go with a form guy and a guy that's probably going to be, you know, we're talking less than one percent owned. Lipsky is, uh, yeah, is a guy is a guy to jump on. So maybe in like like I said in those huge GPPs, I, I just I'm just not going to be playing a lot of them, which reflects in my picks because I, I'm just going to be a little more conservative with my bankroll, conservative with my GPP selection. And likely conservative with my picks. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I like to. You know how I do. Yeah, yeah. I like to throw out the, the crazy you, guy. Yeah, you do. Um, all right. So one and done. All right, you go first. <laughs> uh, I am going to go with. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna ride the hot form, and I'm gonna go with Gary Woodland. Oh, I like it. Yeah. By the way, I have a child crying in the background right now, so maybe he doesn't like your pick. <laughs> I don't know if you hear that, but I do. I did hear it, yes. Um, so he doesn't like that pick at all. Okay. Um, 
I think that I am going to go Zach Johnson this week. Wow. Yep. You do like some Zach Johnson. Okay. I love him. So okay. Zach Johnson at seventy, you know, well, doesn't matter what price he is, but yeah, Zach Johnson's gonna be gonna be my one and done this week. Okay. All right. Well, anything else for the uh, for the podcast, Pat? I think I think that's all I got. All right. I cool. think that maybe it. That may be it. Well, I'm excited this week. It's gonna be fun. New course. Yeah. You know, on NBC we get to hear some more Johnny Miller. Hmm. Hey. Um. Don't forget the shot in the arm. Don't forget um, to leave us that iTunes review for me using my 24 international minutes on Verizon talking to the pro shop at Club Day Golf Chapultepec. Chapultepec. <laughs> I, think, Chapultepec. I think I may have said it better than you did. Um, I think you did. And big thanks to our buddy Paul Appian. We really appreciate Paul giving us a little bit of time today. That was cool. I'm hoping to have another PGA Tour player interview for you guys next week. So stay tuned. We don't want to make any promises. It may not happen. So it may just be us again next week. But don't. Uh, but we're, we're working on it. We got something in the works, something cooking. Could be good. But uh, as always, may your screens be green. Hope you guys have a fantastic week and make the best picks you can make. And good luck for the WGC Mexico Championship. David Barnett, Pat Perry for the Tour Junkies podcast. See you. Oh! All new Ellen, mother-daughter duo Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn, plus the new Bachelor Colton Underwood. If all goes well, then I'm going to go back to his fantasy suite. Ellen today at three on NBC Four. Today is gonna be the day we move ya. Come on and make the switch right now. News for today. Wake up with us. Four to seven a.m. on NBC Four. Working for you.